to the Cozy Bear Farms podcast. I'm your host, Dejan Yerby, and today's episode, we're going to be talking about food demographics. Now, everybody knows what demographics are. Demographics is a particular sector of a population usually involving their culture or the type of people that's there or the things that they do in that type of region. But I came up with this term called food demographics, and I don't know if this is already a definition term, but I'm just going to claim it as if if it's my term that I made up, and hopefully they make a, hopefully it makes it in the Urban Dictionary or something. But to me, food demographics is basically the type of food that's eaten in a certain region or... Yes, is a type of food that's eaten in a certain region based off of the year or the type of population or culture that's in that area. So today's lesson, we're really finna get into food demographics. And this is more for farmers who are growing produce that's looking to sell it in certain regions. Or this also could help out some chefs who are trying to figure out what foods should I cook during certain types of the year. So hopefully this helps two people at once or two sets of people at once but let's really get into it so when you're a farmer and you're trying to decide what should i grow to sell or if you're a chef and you're trying to figure out what should i cook to sell to the people you really need to look at the type of demographics that's in that region so most of the stuff to know when you're looking at the certain type of uh region or area that you're trying to sell to, you need to know what kind of culture that's in that area. Like what are the people, what were the people growing up on? What were the people used to eating when they were uh, being raised in that area? You need to look at the season of the year. What kind of stuff does grow during these seasons and what was the stuff that people were eating in in these particular seasons? And also what's the climate of this area? Like, what do what will these people eat and what will they not eat? Because there's a lot of regions where some people were will die hard eat collards, but they don't touch kale. Or there's some places where there's like, hey, all we do is tomatoes here. We ain't really messing with eggplant. So, and I know everybody's thinking, well, if I grow the food, people should eat the food. No, because in certain regions they don't eat certain stuff because they weren't raised up on that type of stuff. Or Their culture really didn't get involved with that type of stuff. So let's break down the regions of the USA. So really there's four main regions. I know sometimes they'll say there's seven, there's eight, there's 10. I'm just going to go with the main four that I know of. And we got the West, you know, basically Cali, California, all those places. You got the Midwest, basically Potatoville. You got Idaho and places like that. You got the Northeast, which is, think of like New York regions or whatever. And then you got the South. And the South is my is my domain. The South is, you know, the Dirty South, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, all those good places. So those are your four main regions. When you're looking at your four main regions, again, like I said, you need to break down what do the people usually eat in those regions. So I'm going to dive deeper into the South because I don't live in the North. I don't live in the Midwest and I don't live in the West and I wasn't raised up in those areas, but I was raised up in the South. So I'm going to tell you guys how I broke down the South when it came to food demographics of what the stuff should I sell 
or if you're a chef, what the stuff should I sell to for people to eat? So, sorry I'm stammering a lot. Sorry. But uh, so, example for the South. You really need to break down the seasons of the South, too. Because when you was raised up, you'll hear a lot of the older people say, hey, we really don't plant vegetables until it gets hot. We really only ate leafy greens when it was cold and all this other stuff. So you really need to break down the culture of how people were raised up in those areas. So, for example, if we're going to the South and you're thinking about, hey, what should I grow in the spring? What should I grow that people are probably going to buy and eat in the spring? Well, if it's me and looking around and how I was raised up, you're going to be growing a lot of leafy greens. In the spring, those are the months for your leafy greens, for your root vegetables, and then you're going to have some of your transition crops that can transition you into the summer. But for the spring, you're going to be growing a lot of like kale. You're going to be growing a lot of lettuce, a lot of mustard greens. You're going to be growing a lot of turnips, uh, radishes, uh, beets, maybe. Beets is a so-and-so. Some people rock with beets. Some people don't rock with beets. You're definitely going to be growing carrots. And you're definitely going to be growing peas. Stuff that comes up in the spring. Those are the main things that you got to have at a farmer's market or sell to a restaurant. Or if you're a restaurant, that's some of the stuff that you're probably going to be selling um, through your restaurant. Sorry. Sorry for me to speak on the chefs because I know I know how they think, but it's just hard for me to think on the chefs. So I'm just going to stick strictly to the farmers right now and to the gardeners. Some of you gardeners might want to say, hey, I want to sell my stuff on the side. So here's some stuff that you guys can grow to say, hey, even if I have a bunch of this stuff, I can sell it on the side too. But in the south in the spring, you're going to be growing a lot of leafy greens in the spring, a lot of people want to do their whole like health kick journey where they want to get a lot healthier. So they're juicing a lot. They're eating a lot of salads. They're eating a lot of lighter food. It's not as cold anymore. So they don't want to have a bunch of stuff held up in their stomach. They want something light that they can eat on the go. Um, that's why you hear a lot about those spring salads or a lot of meals that are very light and spring influenced. So in the South, for the spring, when you're starting off your season at the farmer's market or you're starting off your season trying to sell to people directly, a lot of the main stuff you're going to have are those leafy greens like lettuce and kale. Um, you can have collards. So if you can have collards, collards will sell every season. That's just a southern dish. That's a main staple in the south for collards. So you can grow that all year round if you want to um, and just sell that. Regardless, people buy collards, no matter what time of year it is. But for the spring, if you're really thinking about what do I need to have for the spring, you're going to need to have that lettuce or lettuce mix. You need to have that kale, baby kale, big kale, whatever kind of kale you got. You got to have those mustard greens because people ask for the mustard greens. You also need Swiss chard. I know a lot of people are like, Swiss chard? Swiss chard ain't really known that well throughout the South. You will be surprised when you go to a farmer's market how many people are looking for Swiss chard because not a lot of farmers grow Swiss chard because they don't think people will eat it down there in the South. But you will be surprised. Swiss chard is a good seller in the South. You need to have those root vegetables. So I'm telling you, you got to have carrots. That's the main thing you got to have in the spring in the South are carrots. You got to have them radishes. People love their radishes. And you need to make sure you have turnips because people love turnip greens. 
Now, a lot of people will make the mistake of taking the turn up, cutting out the greens, and throwing away the root ball. I hate that because that's not how you really eat the turnips, but it's fine. If people want to do that, that's fine. But if you're a farmer and you need to educate the people on how to cook this stuff, please let them know that you can eat the greens and the root ball. Don't just let them throw the root ball away. That's a big waste of food right there. So please, people, if you buy turnips, eat the turnip ball. Eat 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 the root. Eat the root ball. It's just like a carrot. We can do another episode explaining how to cook turnips another time. But yeah, please don't throw that turnip ball away. I get so irritated with that. Beets, again, hit or miss. You got some people that really like beets. They like to put it in their juice and stuff, or they like to bake it. It's really hit or miss. It's not something I'm going to say that you need to have in the South to uh, to sell at a farmer's market, but you definitely need those three main root vegetables, like the carrots, the radishes, and the turnips. And then you got to have your peas. Peas is a good spring uh, thing to have. They produce a lot. They hold over. You need to start them really, really early in the season just so you can have them for the spring. But if you have them at the farmer's market, they're going to sell out really, really quick. They're going to sell out really, really quick. And the reason I'm saying uh, peas for the spring is because you need to grow them while they're kind of cold. So they're coming from the back end of January coming into the spring because once it starts to get really, really hot, they're going to die really, really quick. So spring is probably the best month. You're not going to have that big of a window to sell them, but they're going to bring you in a ton of money if you can get them done. So those are the main things that you need to have for your spring down in the South. Those are the main crops you need to have at a farmer's market in the South for the spring. Now we're finna get into the big season, the big kicker, the summer. Summer is the longest season in Georgia, and I don't want to hear from anybody else. Summer is the longest season in Georgia definitely in the south it gets hot for a long 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 time so this is going to be our biggest money maker season two and we really need to pay attention on what are we going to grow and sell at the farmer's market for this season because i know a lot of people will make the mistake of saying oh i'm not going to grow this or i'm not going to grow that the other day, I was talking to um, one of my new friends who just started at incubate who just started at an incubator farm, and she was asking me what should I grow for the summer. And I told her, "Well, you got your tomatoes. I see you got your peppers, but I don't see your squash." And she said, "I wasn't going to grow squash." And I was like, "Wait, hold on. Why are you not going to grow squash?" And she was like, "Well, I really don't see it that much down here in the south." And I was like, "Uh, uh, 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 you got to have squash." You got to have yellow squash down here in the South. That's a main thing. You have to have squash. And she said she didn't know. She said that she was from Chicago. So she said that she, she'd been living down here. She really didn't see it at the farmer's markets like that. And I was like, I don't know what farmer's markets you went to, but if you're down in the South, you got you to gotta grow some squash. That's one thing you got to take to the farmer's market. So in the South, as you can guess, it's going to be a lot of your big fruit-type vegetables that you're going to be growing. So the main things that you really need to sell, because in because when it gets summer and hot, a lot of people are going to want those juicier vegetables. They're going to want to cook big dishes that are also still kind of light. But because it's the summer and when these people were growing up back in the day, 
a lot of this stuff only grew in these hot months. So they're used to seeing squash and cucumbers and stuff like this in the summer. So if you're down in the South and you're trying to debate on, hey, what should I grow in the summer? Main th- These are the main crops that you must have. You must have in the South when you're growing down in the South. You must have yellow squash. That's a must. You must have yellow squash. If you're debating on it because you're saying, hey, I don't want to deal with the bugs or all that other stuff, you need to find ways how to keep your squash alive and you need to look more on on how to do succession planting and you need to figure it out because squash is going to be a huge money maker for you. It yields a lot of fruit and you can sell that stuff by the pound at the farmer's market or to a restaurant or through a CSA. They bring you in a lot of cash. So you need to grow squash. And if you go to a farmer's market and if those people see you with no with no squash, they're going to be thinking something's up with your farm. That's just how it is. You need to make sure you have that squash. Next thing, you got to make sure you have cucumbers. People love cucumbers down here in the South. They put them in their salads. They put them in, uh, they made weird uh, cucumber bread or something with them. People love their cucumbers. Now, they're a pain to pick because you're going to get a lot of cucumbers. I remember some summers I had to pick cucumbers every single day. I hated it, but when I took them to the farmer's market and I saw how they would just fly off the shelf, all that anger went away. You got to make sure you have those cucumbers. Cucumbers are a must. Cucumbers will bring you in a ton of money. Cucumbers are very high yielding. So if you're thinking of, hey, Should I grow cucumbers? No, you need to grow cucumbers, especially if you're down in the South. You got to have them cucumbers. Next thing that you got to have, you got to have okra. Okra is a big staple. Now, I know a lot of people don't want to grow okra because okra is a pain in the ass. It is. I, 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 I will not say that it's not. Okra is a huge pain in the butt. I hate growing okra too. It takes really long to grow. It's, it's very hard to keep it up. Sometimes like it's not even worth it. You try to pick it. It got the little, uh, mm, I'm trying to think of the, uh, of the, it has this defensive thing on the leaves where if you touch it, it'll just make you itch like crazy. Side story. The very first time I ever harvested okra, it was with me and my other buddy. His name was Yair. We had no idea what okra really was or anything about picking it. So we decided it was a hot day. We decided to take off our shirts and we walked through all the okra and we were harvesting all the okra. Now, was it the biggest mistake in our lives? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Because when we got out of that okra field, we were itching like crazy. So was it the biggest mistake of our lives? Yes. But was it something that you need to have down in the South? Could people be eating okra? Yes. People love okra. It's very high yielding too. You you need to have okra. If you notice, a lot of high yielding stuff is grown in the summer. That's why I said summer is our biggest cash month because a lot of these plants are very high yielding and we can push the product out really, really easy. So you got to have okra. Next thing, you got to have beans. Now I know beans, everybody loves beans, but nobody likes harvesting beans. Everybody loves beans, but nobody likes harvesting beans. I hate harvesting beans. If I could hire people to go harvest it for me, I would. Beans are so annoying to harvest because they're there every single day. But you take them to the farmer's market, they ain't no beating fresh, 
farm grown beans. People love beans. People steam them, people roast them, people just do whatever with their beans. You gotta have beans. And I'm and I don't mean like straight bush beans. I mean you can have dry beans, you can have pole beans, you can have faba beans, you can have lima beans, you can have bush beans, you got whatever beans you want, but you gotta have beans. You gotta have beans at the farmers market. Doesn't matter what variety it is, people will buy beans. So that's one thing you need to have at a farm uh, when you're growing in the south. You gotta have those beans. Now the next one, probably uh, you know, gotta have peppers. I know a lot of people are just all like, "Hey man, a lot of people really don't do," and, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say peppers as sweet and hot peppers, sweet and hot peppers. I'm, I'm going to rope them in together. The sweet and hot peppers. You got to have both. I know a lot of people are saying, hey, hot peppers really don't sell that well for me because people don't want to get a bunch of hot peppers at once. You'll be surprised who you will meet. I remember I took a bunch of cayenne peppers at the farmer's market one time and I was selling them $3 a pound and I had my scale set up and, you know, people were buying two or three little cayenne peppers, putting them on the scale and I was selling them for like two cents or 50 cents sometimes. But you will probably get in those situations where you'll have that one guy who shows up and he's like, oh, I, I love cayenne peppers. And he just buys pounds of cayenne peppers. And you're just looking at him like, why do you need all these cayenne peppers? He said, oh, I'm making me a big pot of chili when I go home. Those are the type of people that you're looking for when you're bringing hot peppers to the markets because those people, they know how to use peppers and they're going to buy a ton of peppers, especially your hot peppers. So make sure you have hot peppers, preferably jalapenos, jalapeno peppers would probably be your best bet or cayenne or poblanos. Those would probably be your best bet. And if you're down in the South, cause people know what to do with those. Now for sweet peppers, gotta have them sweet bell peppers. Gotta have sweet bell peppers. People love sweet bell peppers. You gotta have bell peppers. You can have other sweet peppers too. Cause some people like to add the hot and sweet in with their chilies or their dishes, but Mainly, you need those um, sweet bell peppers. Those are going to be your biggest sellers. Those are going to be your biggest heavy hitters when it comes to peppers. Those things are so huge, too. If you can grow them right and not where they're stunted to where they're only like two feet tall, I mean, you get them to where they're about four feet tall, not four feet tall, about three and a half feet tall, and they're all bushed out, and you can pick them off, and they look like giant apples that you see at a grocery store. Those are the peppers you need to take because those things are so heavy too that when you sell them by the pound, you'll be saying like, dang, these things are heavy. Yes, they are. So you need to have those. And then we got the obvious answer. You got to have tomatoes. Now, tomatoes in the summer, I would tell people do not try to rush and have tomatoes for the spring. You see a lot of farmers who try to grow their stuff super, super early and try to have it during the spring just so they can sell tomatoes early. I think... It's too much of a uh, hassle to try to fight against the elements with certain stuff. So it's like, if you want really good tomatoes, just grow the tomatoes when Mother Nature says, hey, it's hot now. So I put my tomatoes in a couple of weeks back. Not a couple of weeks. I probably put my tomatoes in three weeks ago. And they're already pretty big and they're already starting to flower. Now, some of the other farmers at the farmer's market, they got their tomatoes and they're pushing them out. And people were asking me, why didn't you have tomatoes early? And I remember my grandpa told me one time, he was all like, why does it matter when you have your tomatoes now or then? If you have tomatoes, people are going to buy tomatoes. So why are you rushing it? 
And so I just took that and I was like, yeah, you're right. Why are we rushing it? Now, I'm not telling anybody not to rush it. If you know a way how to get your tomatoes in early, that's great. Uh, you do whatever you want to do. That is great. I don't mind people when they have tomatoes early, but I just know I'm not going to do all these extra steps to get my tomatoes early. I just, I'll have them when I have them. And usually July is the month that I have tomatoes because it's hot. They love the heat. They produce really well. And usually July is kind of like that month for tomato season. But if you want to do them super early, you can. You can use your high tunnels or your hoop houses or your greenhouses or whatever to get them out early. I just don't really deal with trying to get them out early. That's just me, though. I know a lot of other farmers, too. They're just like, hey, when I have tomatoes, I have tomatoes. But we do know when it's those summer months, you got to have those tomatoes. That's one thing we definitely know. So it's not like we're not going to have tomatoes. We're going to have some tomatoes, but we just might not have them as early as some other people want to have their tomatoes. And that's completely fine. I don't want nobody thinking that I'm trying to judge the people that got their tomatoes early. I, I give those people kudos that they can do it early because some of that stuff I just don't want to do. I don't want to invest all the extra time into it. But if you see somebody at the farm market with tomatoes right now, snatch up their tomatoes because they put in a lot of hard work just so they can get them out to you guys really, really quick. So go snatch up tomatoes from those people. But those are the main crops that you got to have for the South in the summer. In the summer, those are the main crops that you need that you have to have. Now, if you grow some other weird stuff, do whatever you want to do. But if you're at a farmer's market or if you're trying to sell to people directly in the South, those are the things that you must have. You must have those things in the South. I cannot stress that enough. You must have that stuff in the South. Now, let's go over to the fall. The fall, everybody knows what's happening down in the fall. You're, getting, you're gearing up for uh, Thanksgiving. And there's a lot of stuff that you need to have for that kind of Thanksgiving. I want to call it the Thanksgiving aura. And that usually starts in September going into November. Where people's looking for certain type of crops so that they can make big meals with. And, and the fall in the South, it's the perfect time where you can have your leafy greens mixed in with your fruit stuff so usually if you're a farmer and you have high tunnels you can extend your season so that you can have fruit stuff going into the fall because into the fall that's when we might start getting all those uh frost and that's when it might start getting colder and it's going to start getting cooler so your stuff is probably not going to produce that much also, daylight saving times is going to be creeping up, so we're going to start getting less sunlight. So if you have a high tunnel, you can extend your season off, and you can mix your fruit stuff with your leafy green stuff. So in the fall, if you can, I'm not telling people that they are, but if you can, you got to have the squashes, you got to have your beans, you got to have that okra, and you got to have the tomatoes. I know a lot of people are saying, what about the winter squash? Like butternut squash and stuff, if you got it, sell it too. I'm not going to say you have to have winter squash. Mainly a lot of people want the um, the yellow squash, but I'm not going to tell you not to have butternut squash. Because if you can grow butternut squash um, before Thanksgiving season hits and you can sell it, do it. Because it's going to be a huge money maker for you too. I just know winter squash is not one of those crops that you can just say, Oh, I'm going to put it in the ground and just let it do whatever. Like, they are harder to grow, 
they do need a lot more nutrients in the ground to grow. And sometimes some people have problems with managing how much winter squash to plant. Because if you plant a lot, it spreads out really, really quick. And sometimes you might not have enough room for it. So not going to tell anybody not to have winter squash. But I'm also going to tell people if you can do it, sell it. But again, you need to have those beans. You need to have okra. You need to have tomatoes. You need to have that squash. And if you can, get that butternut squash. And then on the leafy green side, you got to make sure you have collards because collards are going to be a huge thing in the fall because everybody buys up collards for their Thanksgiving meals. Um, not really going to emphasize kale. I know some people are going to be like, what about kale? You don't have to have kale in the fall. The main stuff you need to have in the fall are those hearty, heartier greens like broccoli and cabbage and Brussels sprouts if you can. I know everybody looking like Brussels sprouts. People be... People put bacon and Brussels sprouts up in their meals for Thanksgiving. You'd be surprised. But if I was you and if I was looking at like what to have in the fall for the South, I'm definitely going to say broccoli, cabbage, collard greens, tomatoes, okra, beans, and squash. And if you can, butternut squash. Um, if you can still hold on to your peppers, sell it on peppers too. So if you notice, I'm not saying like, this, whatever I say that you have to have is stuff that I know people can grow during these times of the year. I'm not finna say crops that it's kind of iffy they're going to be here or not. Peppers are kind of iffy because they really do not like the cold. Some people say, oh, peppers like the cold. They grow better in the cold. In many years I've been farming, I, I never had really good luck with my peppers out in the cold after they've been through a frost. I never had really good luck with it. It might be a certain variety that I'm growing. But I just know I, I put all my peppers in that high tunnel house and I keep them in that high tunnel house. Some people I've seen, they had theirs outside and they were able to keep them alive going well into like November and December. And I thought that was super impressive, but I'm just more cautious and I'm going to put mine in that high tunnel house and I'm going to make sure that they at least stay warm in that high tunnel house so that they can grow. So those are the crops you're going to need for the fall. And now we're going to go into the winter. For the winter, y'all know what it is. You got to have those hardy greens. You got to have the broccolis. You got to have the cabbages. You got to have the collard greens. You got to have uh, some of your root vegetables that can grow through the winter. Even if you're overwintering this stuff or you're selling this stuff through the winter, some of your root stuff can grow in the winter if you plant it out right. You can have your carrots in the winter. You can have uh, radishes in the winter. You can have your turnips in the winter. You need stuff that people can make. You need to have stuff that people can make like good soup with. Winter squash would be great to have in the winter. I'm not going to say you have to have that. But in the winter months, you're definitely going to need the broccoli, the cabbages, and the collard greens. Those are the three main things you have to have in the South during the winter. If you can have the carrots and the radishes and the turnips, that's great. If you can do mustard greens, that's great too. But I just know for a fact you gotta have that broccoli. You gotta have you gotta have that broccoli. You gotta have that cabbage and you gotta have those collard greens. Those are the things I know that you gotta have during those months. Now, if you wanna dabble into doing the spinach and the arugula and stuff, those things will help sell too well in the winter and sometimes they do grow through the winter 
I don't fool with arugula. Arugula is, is so tricky to me because you only get so many harvests out of it. And in the South, it does get cold. I know in certain places, they're like, hey, it doesn't get as cold as this place. I get that. But in the South, we don't really want to mess with the cold. And once it gets cold, we notice, too, a lot of our crops do not grow that well in the cold for some reason down here. So some stuff we just don't fool with. But if you can do it, do it. But that's my food demographics breaking down the South. Now, like I said, I'm not going to break down the West because I don't know what really goes on over there. And I'm not going to break down the Midwest or the Northeast. I really don't know what goes on in those areas. I just know in the South, this is what we deal with with food demographics down in the South. And those are the crops that you must have when you're growing down here in the South. So hopefully that helped out a lot of Southern farmers too. And if you are a chef listening to this, Hopefully that helped you too so you could figure out, hey, if these farmers are going to have this type of stuff, okay, let me base my dishes around this kind of stuff. If you're a gardener and you're trying to think, what should I grow? Hopefully these crops give you an idea of what you should grow during these times of the year. So hopefully that helped you guys out. Um, if you got any more questions for me about food demographics, you guys are welcome to message me on Instagram. Uh, Facebook page is now up at Cozy Bear Market Garden, so you can message me on the Facebook page. The Instagram, too, is at Cozy Bear Market Garden. You can DM me, whatever, if you got any other questions about food demographics and what more goes into it. But for right now, we're going to move on over to the Ask Cozy segment of the show. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Heartsong Herbs. Heartsong Herbs is a farm and apothecary based in Athens, Georgia. They are proudly part of a growing movement of regenerative agriculture farming that prioritizes soil health to grow beyond organic. Founder Dana Nevins produces herbal tinctures and beauty care products with the vigor and potency of plants found as they grow in the wild right outside of her door. This high-quality herbal medicine is available in two-ounce formulas that aid in everything from immune support to anxiety relief. Find Heartsong Herbs at various Athens retailers or online at www.heartsongherbs.com. That is www.heartsongherbs.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Recipe for Press. If your company wants to engage today's influencers and inspire them to write about you, then you need Recipe for Press. Athens-based communication advisor and author Amy Fleury helps entrepreneurs across the country demystify the process of pitching their story and creating a buzz. Her book, Recipe for Press, is the DIY PR guide to being your own publicist, and it's truly empowered me and so many other local companies to get their customer base by sharing their stories. Listeners today get a 20% discount with the code COZY when they order Amy's book or any of her products in recipe for press store found on www.amyflurry.com. Again, that's a 20% discount with the code COZY when you order Amy's book or any of her products in recipe for press store found on www.amyflurry.com. Okay, now it's time for Ask Cozy. Ask Cozy is the part of the show where you guys send in your questions and I answer them. So, 
Again, if you want to send in questions every Sunday, I will post on my Cozy Bear Market Garden Instagram a post saying Ask Cozy, and you guys will just leave your questions in the comments below. Or you can DM me on Instagram, or now you can message me on Facebook. Or if you really want to, some people do this a lot, they'll email me um, at CozyBearMarketGarden at gmail.com. You can email me that way too. So let's get into some of these Ask Cozy questions. Um, here's the first question. I'm probably only going to do three today. I like these three good ones. So one person writes, that last cold snap we had in March really damaged slash killed our newly planted tomato plants. Some of them now have new green growth popping out on the damaged stock. Will they make it this season? So this weather down here in the south this year was really, really weird. Um, we had a lot of late frost. We had a lot of cloudy skies. It, it was just a, a very, very weird um, start of our season. Um, one of my friends said that it felt like um, uh, summer and winter was having a custody battle over Georgia. And I think the summer finally won. But... um. I know in the beginning, back in March, where people would plant their tomatoes in their high tunnel houses or plant their tomatoes outside and put frost cloth over them, we had a couple of really, really bad frosts that came through and just killed a bunch of tomatoes. I know one guy, he planted three sets of tomatoes three different times and all three of them died. And then he just finally put them in his high tunnel house and he just tried his best to keep them alive in his high tunnel house. I know one person at um her farm i think is emeline's tiny farm shout out to her she had tomatoes out really really early she um she started her tomatoes in her house and got them full grown mature and planted them outside and if you can get your plants full mature and get them outside at the right time sometimes the frost really doesn't mess with tomato plants like that so some of hers died and they started coming back with new growth and they and they look like they're doing fine. So if I was you, I would be cautious and I would just start a new set of tomato plants. But I would not pull out the ones that are starting to do new growth. Just hang on to those and see how they do. And they're not doing that well after a couple of weeks and they don't look like they're finna make it back and you'll be able to tell if they're not gonna make it back if they look like they're stunted and they look like just sad looking tomato plants then just throw them out but if they're starting to show new growth and if they are growing then i would leave them alone but i would just start another set of tomato plants and plant those along with them but don't abandon those just yet especially if they're showing new growth popping out of the damaged stock because it might be the tomato plant that's trying to make its way back. So I'm not going to say it's going to look stronger. I'm not going to say it's going to look weaker. Um, but I have had some situations where I was growing something. It got damaged and then it started showing new growth. And I was just like, you know what? I ain't got nothing else to put right there. So we're just going to leave it and see if it grows. And it grew. So I do believe it will make it this season. Just stay on top of watering and taking care of it and just see how it does. But for me, I'm cautious. I'm going to say, hey, start some more and just plant those along with those. 
And if you get double the tomatoes, great. If the tomatoes that were damaged are too damaged, then we'll just worry about that later and just take them out. But you'll have your backup set there. So hopefully that answers your question. Just leave them in the ground and see how they do, basically. All right, next question. So I started harvesting garlic this week, and I'm trying to figure out how long should I set it out before I start selling it. Okay, that's pretty simple. Um, So that's the process of curing where you usually do it with onions and garlic. When you harvest garlic, it's going to be really, really juicy. Um, So you need to let it dry out. For me, I harvested my garlic a couple of, uh, I think, uh, two weeks ago. And I bunched them together, tied them up, and hung them from the rafters in my high tunnel house. And I'm just letting them air dry out. It usually takes like just maybe a month, I would say, just to let them completely dry out. And then you can start selling them by the bulb. The biggest thing is you want to make sure that you harvest your garlic at the right time, too. Like, it don't matter if they're still kind of juicy when you're selling them. That's why I said a month. Usually you get them a month, they're completely dried out. The biggest thing is if you if somebody else got garlic out there, if the garlic leaves are starting to die, you need to go out there and look at the garlic because you don't want to wait too long. And then the garlic cloves start to grow out more. And then you can't even sell them because they're starting to regrow again. Because you, everybody does know that garlic seeds are basically just the clothes from the garlic. So you don't want to leave those things in the ground for so long that they start to regrow new garlic. So if you're worrying about how long to let them sit out when they're curing or drying or whatever you want to call it, just give it a month. Give it a month. Make sure it's somewhere where there's plenty of airflow. Make sure that it's not somewhere wet. It's pretty dry. I know some people put them in their basement. I would not put it in my basement. I would put it somewhere where it can just get a lot of airflow. And if there's somewhere where you can hang them, hang them up somewhere, um, make sure it's sheltered too. I know a lot of people will do the whole, we will put ours outside and hang them up on a post. No, I wouldn't do that because it's, there's a lot of rain that can come through and it just won't help with the drying. So make sure it's in a dry place where you can get plenty of airflow. That's why I said I hang mine up on the rafters of um, my hot tunnel house. So hopefully that helped. Hopefully that helped. But again, that just takes, takes a month. Takes a month. I know some people be like, oh, mine will be dry in two weeks. Okay, I, I just, I wait for a month. I wait for a month, so. Okay, next question. Hey, I'm looking into getting a high tunnel house, but I don't know how big should I get my high tunnel house. Do you suggest I get a 100 footer or a couple of 50 footers? What is your suggestion? If you're debating on high tunnel houses and you're debating on should you get one... I'm guessing I'm guessing they're debating on getting one long hundred footer or a couple of 50 footers. If it's me, I'm going to get a couple of those 50 footers so that I can plan out what I want to put in those high tunnel houses easier. If you get one hundred footer, I would not just put one single crop in there. I will put multiple crops in that hundred footer. But if I had a couple of 50 footers, it's going to be easier for me to plan out my season. 
So for me, I have one high tunnel house and I put multiple crops in there, but I am planning on getting a couple of those uh, caterpillar tunnels in the future so that I can fill up that one high tunnel house with like one crop that I just want to do mainly. So like mainly just tomatoes, if I want to just fill that one up mainly with tomatoes. And then I can do my other 50 footers uh, with eggplants and peppers or squash and other stuff. So that it's easier for me to plan out my season so that I can say, hey, this high tunnel is for tomatoes. This high tunnel is for eggplant. This high tunnel is for peppers. I would want to do it that way. So if you're asking, should I get a long 100 footer or a couple of 50 footers? I would just get a couple of 50 footers. So, but that's going to do it for the show. Hopefully that helped. Hopefully I answered some of you guys' questions. Thank you guys for listening. You can find me this Saturday in Pitter Park in Winterville, Georgia at the Marigold Farmer's Market. I will be selling all of my delicious vegetables there. Um, Thank you for listening to the show. Hit that like and subscribe button. Thank you guys so much. Cozy is out.